Bonjour and bienvenue to Lulabelle's Francophiles. Je m'appelle Lou and I've been presenting this podcast to keep our inner Frenchy vibes happening when we're not in France. In each episode, we chat about our French experiences with guests who live both in Australia and France and share ideas for how to stay connected to the Francophile within you. Subscribe on one of the podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts or Stitcher and you'll be notified as soon as new episodes are available. Follow Lulabelle's Francophiles on Insta and view all the pics as you listen. Just head to the lulabellesfrancophiles.com website and you will find a lovely way to stay connected to one of our fave destinations, France. Merci beaucoup for all of the fabulous feedback about the podcast so far. Lulabelle's Francophiles is now being heard in a number of countries across the world, so I'd like to send a special bonjour today to Francophiles from Russia, Switzerland, Canada, the US, the UK, Germany, Japan, and of course Australia and France. It really does feel like the world is not such a big place when we're all connected comme ça. Today, we will chat first about travelling to France solo and things to see in Paris when by yourself. I've done a bit of this, so we'll be chatting to you on my own and we'll save the guest chat for later in the episode when we will check in with our travelling French backpacker, Sarah, and hear about her adventures in the southern French town of Pau. We'll hear some Très Belle Musique de France by Ben Mazouet. And as always, I'll share some insights into a French dish. Today, traditional soup de l'oignon. So, travelling solo in France. I have often headed to Paris a day or a week earlier than my friends have arrived on certain trips. One of the first things to consider when doing this and travelling alone is your accommodation. I have a friend who will only stay in hotels when travelling solo as she feels safest with a concierge there to support her if needed. And I completely understand that perspective and think that is a great idea if you haven't been before. I'm happy to stay in an Airbnb sometimes, whether alone or not, as I get a sense of what it would be like to live in the destination that I'm visiting that way. When in Paris, there are particular things I look for when booking accommodation to be by myself. Firstly, security very important i ask questions in quite a bit of detail from the owner to ascertain what security measures are in place many apartment buildings in paris have beautiful huge oak doors onto the street which require a code or a key for entry now this is a further security measure i really like there is a whole hidden world in behind those doors also and sometimes I've found the owner of the apartment I'm staying in lives in the same little bubble behind the big oak doors which is always helpful. On one trip when I travelled solo I stayed in a tiny apartment right on the river on the Ile Saint-Louis. The characteristic grand oak doors led to a petite pathway or traboule that was a dead end with a theatre at the end. My apartment was one on the ground floor, only a few doors from this little tiny theatre. It was so beautifully French, or even more particularly Parisian. I'll be sharing some pics on the Little Bell's Francophile Insta account, so pop on and follow there to have a look. Now, don't be afraid to eat out by yourself and go out alone in Paris. I went for a whole week on my own once and set myself a little task to visit cafes all over the city and ordered the same thing everywhere I went. 
I then sat at the dinner table on some occasions and pulled out my iPad to type into a blog I was writing. I rated the different cafes on the same dish. So every day I went to a cafe somewhere in Paris and ordered three of my fave dishes in the world. First, un soupe de l'oignon or a traditional French onion soup as we would call it in Australia. Then escargot and finally a creme brulee. Now, the French onion soup was different from what I'd come to expect in Australia, and I'll share my own recipe for that later in this episode. The point of the task, though, was to give me a purpose whilst eating on my own. It turned out I didn't need it, really, as once I started eating by myself at cafes, I noticed how many other people were doing the same thing. The food and the cafe experience, when done solo, became a wonderful people-watching exercise. I loved sitting in a bubble of calm by myself and witnessing all the hurried life taking place around me. People with dogs, kids on their way to school, old folks chatting. It was an unexpectedly calming experience to dip into their world momentarily. Now, this is something you may not notice when traveling with others. One particular day during a week I spent having a solo stay in Paris, I did something quite special. I set about doing many of the things I had planned over the years to do with my dear late mum, but we never made it to Paris together, so I decided whilst I was on my own to do the things that she and I had chatted about and I knew were her faves along with some of my own favourites thrown in too. Well, first up on this day, I spent some time wandering around the Marais. Much of Paris is a complete sensory overload if you are into architecture being the artwork like I am. So being on my own, I just meandered at my leisure through the streets of one of the oldest arrondissements of Paris. I lit a candle at the gorgeous church of St. Louis and St. Paul before heading off to lose myself in the boutique windows all around. Meandering and window gazing are really terrific things to do when you're alone as you're not locked into the time restrictions that you might have when travelling in a group. I kept the last part of my exploring in the Marais to the little shops de Bracant in the Sapol region on the right bank or Rive Droite. If you are into antiquing, then this is definitely the area for you. I then crossed the river to the Ile Saint-Louis to have lunch and order the three dishes I spoke about earlier, and then headed across the river again to the other side, to the Rive Gauche opposite Notre-Dame. For Francophiles who've listened before, you may remember in episode one I spoke about going to the Shakespeare & Co bookshop. It is one of the loveliest places on earth to me. It has that beautiful smell of old books and tiny little nooks and crannies to sit and read in. I found a gorgeous cat asleep on a chair, and any store with a resident kitty is a winner in my book. I came prepared this time to Shakespeare & Co, and after browsing through books in various corners of the store, I pulled out my iPad and sat at the desk in the window, which Hemingway wrote at. Now, I was only writing the rating in my blog for the three dishes that I had recently had for my déjeuner, but writing is writing, right? Well, maybe not, but it was a lovely little experience to do by myself. Something that when traveling with others, they may not have the patience to wait for me while I indulged myself. I did buy a divine petite book of flower poems and from there I headed to the Jardin de Luxembourg. Now this garden is one of the most delightful in Paris. It's in the sixth arrondissement, there are little gypsy-style caravans dotted around the gardens, serving crepes of fraise or strawberries, and Nutella. The vendors use these 
huge, big round irons or hot plates. They pour on a little crepe mixture in front of your eyes and then swish it around with a little wooden paddle that looks like a fairy-sized garden rake with no tines or teeth. In winter, these petite caravans also serve the most exquisite mulled wine. There's a beautiful cafe near the Medici Fountain to sit and watch the communal playground for Parisians who live in nearby apartments. And in the after-school period of the day, watching school children and adults alike wander through the gardens, going around their daily business, is just intriguing when sitting there alone. On this particular day, I took myself to the cafe with a mulled wine and read my newly bought flower poem book and observed the joie de vivre of regular French life swirl around me. This is something to embrace when travelling alone, as when with your own children, family or other friends travelling, we tend to miss the detail of what's around us in this way. Now, I headed after this back towards my accommodation, but headed to the Ile de la Cité first. Right near the top of one of the bridges, or pont, is an artist who I've often stopped and visited. The local artists in Paris produce a huge amount of work, which doesn't cost much, but it means the earth to them that we as tourists buy it, and it also keeps the memories of a wonderful Parisian adventure alive when we return back home. So on this day, I had a sweet brief browse of the Bouganists, the open-air green metal stalls that line the Seine on the way back to the Ile Saint-Louis. And it was here that I found a fabulous tip for any individuals travelling alone in this region of Paris. Eating out is lovely, but can get expensive when done up to two or three times daily. So there is a street called Rue Saint-Louis-en-Lille that runs through the centre of the smaller island in the middle of the Seine. On a corner, there is what seems like an ancient restaurant called Au Anisetier de Roy, which has a little hole in the wall to order takeaway. Now, food to go or à emporter is not overly advertised in Paris. So this little find is an absolute gem. The belle femme, or beautiful woman, Liliane was her name, who was a constant at the window, was ever so patient with my French. Liliane spoke English, but when I asked to test my French on her, she so enthusiastically took on her role as my language mentor. And given I was staying around the corner, she became my best new friend in the little village of Ile-Saint-Louis, calling out and testing my French any time of the day that I walked by. But the best thing of all was the quality of the food that Liliane served and the much reduced cost to eating in at a local cafe. So taking a divine serve of aubergine au four or eggplant with tomato and parmesan down to the river outside my apartment together with a verre de vin rouge was a beautiful end to the main part of my day. Now let's just go back to refresh your memory about where I was staying during this solo vacances en Paris. I had a little apartment in the laneway leading from the huge oak doors which fronted the Seine to a petite theatre which filled the dead end of the lane. I had struck up conversation with some of the crew who were working backstage in a production the night before and bought a ticket to a piano recital to attend on this night. The music was unexpectedly emotive and beguiling, just beautiful. But even better was the connection that travelling alone provided me with the staff and the performers. Knowing I was alone, they went to extra effort to ensure I was catered for, which was very special. Now, I'll put all of the links to the places that I've mentioned here in this chat into the Episode 6 blog post on my website, ludabellsfrancophiles.com. 
and you can have a look at them also on the Lubel's Francophile Insta. Now, Francophilers will know that we always share some French music in our podcast episodes, and today I'm going to play you a song from Ben Mazoué. It's called La Femme Ideale, and it's from the album of the same name. It's a song about women, and those of us who are women of a certain age will relate, whether we are in a European country, Australia, America, or anywhere around the world. This song talks of a woman who needs to be a mother, who needs to earn a living to keep a roof over the family head, who needs to meet the community ideal of femininity as well as strength. A woman who can be sexy at the end of the day, regardless of what she's gone through. A woman who can be both a leader and maternal. So today in this episode, I've spoken about the ideal day I would spend in Paris with my mum if we had have had the chance. And this song to me is kind of about her and the type of woman she was. But it's also about the women who live all amongst us. The women who hold the fabric of our society together as we want it to be. The women who are the workers like Liliane, the leaders, the mentors, the examples for our young girls, mothers, lovers, friends and sisters to other women around the globe. This is Ben Mazoué with La Femme Ideale. Matin, crash, taf, gamin, sortie, presse, dîner, bain, histoire, dents, dodo, câlin. T'as plus le temps, pourtant t'as rien commencé. C'est pas nouveau que tu cours, depuis que t'as plusieurs amours, depuis que t'as mis au jour. Et que le temps vient à te manquer Le cœur est extensible, tu le sais maintenant Ti amis, tes enfants, tu rêvais de cette vie Voilà que tu doutes, tout le monde te dit Vas-y, alors tu largues les bouts Maître sobe, âme, sœur, bosses en mais Femme, sœur, tu peux pas, tu peux pas, tu peux pas, tu peux pas Maître sobe, âme, sœur en femme, sœur, tu verras Plus le temps passera, plus tu sauras D'abord t'as démissionné Et si, t'ont bien décidé Et si, non, ça s'est pas passé comme tu penses T'es juste paumé, la confiance Elle s'est barrée avec ton actu Elle est partie depuis le début Tu dois faire tes choix seul, sans modèle Ton mec, ta mère, ta sœur Y'a pas d'aide, y'a pas d'aide, tu sais Maître sort, père, âme, sœur, danseuse en or Mais femme, sœur, tu peux pas, tu peux pas, tu peux pas, tu peux pas Maître sort, père, âme, sœur, danseuse en or Mais femme, sœur, tu verras, plus le temps passera, plus tu sauras Trouver qui tu es, vas-y, va te réinventer Quand ta vie s'est déconnectée Quand tu sais que tu n'es plus sexy Quand tu sais que tu n'es plus Maître sort, âme, sœur, bosses en or Mais femme, sœur, tu peux pas Tu peux pas, tu peux pas, tu peux pas Maître sort, âme, sœur, bosses en or Mais femme, sœur, tu verras plus le temps passera, plus tu sauras Maître sorte, âme, sœur, bosses en or Femme, sœur, tu peux pas, tu peux pas, tu peux pas, tu peux pas 
Now, a few episodes ago, we were introduced at Ludabelle's Francophiles to my Bellamy Sarah Swick, who lives in the Basque region down near Biarritz in France. And Sarah discussed all things Basque with us. And since that time, Sarah has taken off in her little camper van and gone travelling. But we are very fortunate to have her check in with us again today. Bonjour, Sarah. Bonjour, Lou. Bonjour, tout le monde. It's lovely to hear your voice again. Now, since we spoke last, you've been travelling. Tell us about your travels. Um, I went to, to Pau. So this is a small town in the southwest of France. And this is uh, located 100 kilometres from the Atlantic Ocean and 50 kilometers from Spain. Ah. So I went there because my brother and his girlfriend live in a, in a small town near Po. And I like to go there because it's, it's a very nice city. It's very small, but it's beautiful. It's not very well known. Mm. And I like to go there. Is it far from your home? Is it far from Bayonne? It's not far. It's one hour drive from Bayonne. So what is there to see there for a regular tourist? So what is unmissable there is probably the Boulevard des Pyrénées. Boulevard des Pyrénées, it's uh, one kilometre and 800 metres long. And you can just walk uh, along this boulevard and you can see the mountains. So at the moment now you can see the snow, so the snowy peaks. And it's really nice. Uh, there is an appellation that's been created. It's called Horizon Palois. And they want to protect this view because it's one of the most beautiful views uh, in France. So they are not allowed to, um, you know, to block the view and to build like uh, something oh, right. in front of the view. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's very important because a lot of the time when we drive through these beautiful regions of France, it has struck me how beautifully traditional a lot of the villages have stayed and it probably is that kind of protection that has helped that. What are the things in Po that set it apart and make it that extra bit special? So apart from uh, this boulevard, we have a castle there, mm-hmm. a very old castle that has been built in the, the 11th century because Po was a strategic place. Uh, overlooking the mountains and the Pyrenees, so um, they could watch people coming, you know, arriving from the other side of the mountains and just going away. So they decided to build a castle, and this castle has been renovated many times during the Renaissance and also later with Napoleon. It's very famous because it's the place where one of the most popular French kings, Henry IV, lived. Uh, right. And maybe right. one of the highlights of the castle is um, the room where you can see the turtle shell where 
the king was cradled when he was a baby. So he was cradled in a turtle shell? Yes, he was. I don't know why, <laughs> but it's intact and it's from the, the 16th century. You know, the king was born in 1580-something. Wow, what a wonderful mm. piece of history to witness. Exactly, and Po is the only city in Europe uh, that has witnessed two kings uh, at the origin of a dynasty. So you have Henry IV of France and Charles XIV of Sweden. Oh, I didn't know that. So now in the castle, there is a big collection of tapestries and they come from uh, the Gobelins tapestries, so from Paris. And I think it's the biggest collection of tapestry in France. So tell me, what else did you get up to in Po? So if you walk in the streets of Po, uh, you will see a lot of churches, so very old churches that you can visit. And also there is a very famous hotel. It's the Continental Hotel. And it was a, a shelter for many Jews founded by the Nazis. Mm. This hotel is still very famous. Like the, the architecture is really nice, of course, but also the history is very interesting. Mm. If you like nature, of course, you have the Pyrenees that are not too far. So you can go hiking in the Pyrenees and it's it's beautiful. And you can also hire a kayak and just go uh, kayaking along the river because Po has been built next to a river. That's why it was uh, also an important, like a strategic place mm -hmm. to watch because people couldn't cross this river. You have everything in Po. You have history, you have nature, culture, uh, good restaurants, of course, because oh. you're still in the southwest of France. So you have like uh, some specialties that you can taste. And uh, it's very cheap also because mm -hmm. it's not very well known. It's, it's not touristy at all. Like mm. people don't know about Po. There is also a funicular there that you can take, uh, you can get in. And um, this funicular has been built at the start of the 20th century because a lot of European people, like rich people from high society, used to come to Po uh, mm -hmm. because it became a, like a winter resort. And so for those that don't know, a funicular is like a sort of a tram that takes them up the hill. Exactly, yes. So each year there is also this motor racing Grand Prix that you can attend. You can go and support your team and it happens each year in Po. Fabulous. Also, if you like wine, you can visit the vineyards around Po. There are a lot of little towns with vineyards and there is a special wine there called Le Jurançon. And that's the only part of France where they grow these grapes. There are white grapes and you have one dry, so the dry, uh, Jurançon sec, and the other one is sweet, le moelleux, we call it le moelleux. They sound delicious. You can drink it with shells, fish, mm -hmm. salmon, charcuterie, and also blue cheese. Oh. So that's what the grand chef recommends mm -hmm. to have with your Jurançon. Mm. This wine is also very famous because the king, you remember Henry IV, mm -hmm. has been baptized with a drop of this wine. Oh, fabulous. Yes. And later he said, good cuisine and good wine, it's heaven on earth. I was talking about Pope and its region. Of I, I would agree. 
Good cuisine. <laughs> good cuisine, good wine, and heaven on earth. <laughs> good French wine and good French cuisine. That sounds like a magical place and a place that I would very much like to visit. We would love to hear more about what you do and also just checking in on some of the other things that you'd like to share with us about your knowledge of France. Thank you so much. Merci beaucoup for your time. Merci, Lou. It was my pleasure. And we will check in again with Sarah in a couple of weeks. So earlier in this episode, I described a task I set myself on one solo trip to Paris to rate three of my favourite dishes, and one of those was soup de l'oignon. French onion soup is a very old recipe dating back to the Roman times. It was, in times gone by, considered a dish for the poor, as onions were common and easy to grow. But today, the French version of soup de l'oignon is made with beef stock and caramelised onions as the main ingredients, topped with a piece of toasted baguette covered with melted cheese. It is a very popular dish in French cafes, and you can find it even on the menus in the most prestigious French restaurants. I have a quick and easy recipe I make, which would probably horrify a French chef. But when we're working mums living a fast-paced life, the version I make hits the spot for me without taking hours of slaving over a stove. I'll place a link on the Little Bell's Francophiles website and you can cook up a storm yourself. A c'est-tu et ne la fini aujourd'hui? That is all for another episode of Little Bell's Francophiles. I so hope that you have enjoyed listening and daydreaming for 20 minutes or so about France. I love getting your French ideas on the Little Bell's Francophiles website, which helps us together take this journey to share some of your story as well as my own. Follow on Instagram too for the daily posts that accompany each episode and we can become immersed in a variety of experiences de français together and keep our Frenchy vibes happening. Au revoir for now.